Welcome, welcome to another new episode of the What the Niche podcast. And as always, I am your host, Andrew Morris. Now, before we dive into this week's show, I want to cover a couple quick things. First, if you haven't checked out the new channel, which features comedic skits called What the Skit, I highly recommend you head over to your favorite podcast host and subscribe to this hysterical show. There will be a brand new episode of the show launching this week. Second, today's guest hosts a podcast called The Void Frequency. And if you're into all things mysterious, such as hauntings, UFOs, cults, or anything just downright spooky, his show is for you. Now, that's it for this week. And as always, I love all of my listeners and I appreciate your support. Now, it's on to this week's episode. In this week's episode, we are getting our feet off the ground as we journey through the world of the United States Air Force. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. Akin to and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor tinkering in his shop has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. Right to that breaking news, attacks on U.S. and European military targets in Somalia. The terror group Al-Shabaab is claiming responsibility, details the attacks just coming in, and our chief global affairs anchor Martha Wright is tracking it all from Washington. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, George. There are hundreds of Pentagon personnel at this base in Somalia, and reports this morning of this attack are dramatic. At least one large vehicle was packed with explosives. The explosives then set off by a suicide bomber at the gate of the military facility. 
Bursts of gunfire then echoed across the base. The group Al-Shabaab did take responsibility for the suicide bombing, claiming they breached the heavily fortified facility. But a U.S. official tells us there were no American casualties, although the official says a number of enemy fighters were killed. There are also reports this morning that a convoy of Italian peacekeepers in Somalia was targeted by a suicide car bomber. But that explosion missed those peacekeepers, although a number of Somalia citizens were reportedly injured. We're traveling inside eastern Syria on an exclusive trip with U.S. Special Forces. General Jonathan Braga tells us this rural terrain was ISIS's heartland and that the extremists have been driven way back. But now there are fears the U.S. could end up in a direct conflict with new adversaries, Russians. We drove to the Conoco oil and gas refinery, now a U.S. base. It's the first time reporters have been here since American troops came under attack on this spot last month by 500 fighters, including Russian mercenaries, an international incident shrouded in secrecy until now. So on that night, we started receiving uh, artillery rounds in around right where you're standing upwards of uh, 30 different artillery rounds. The U.S. military pulled out the big guns in the fight against ISIS today, a 21,000-pound bomb, the largest non-nuclear weapon the United States has ever used. It's only known use before this 2003 test. The massive Ordnance Air Blast is better known by its nickname, the mother of all bombs. So big, it's stored in the cargo hold and dropped out of the back of a plane. A U.S. aircraft dropped one of these monster bombs today on an ISIS tunnel complex in eastern Afghanistan. Global peacekeepers. Reapers of democracy. The United States military carries many different connotations. Peerless and persistent battle have become the shackling confines of war. Military has become as synonymous with America as land of the free. Extremism and injustice throughout the world. So maybe there is a need for a benevolent overseer. But who should hold this grand purveyor of justice accountable? Debacles of the necessity for force are a pervasive splinter in the thumb of freedom. How can we compel others to adhere to the American way of thinking? Is it possible to forcibly implement independence for someone else? These are the questions which plague the systems of defense. Troops exist as cogs in the grand mechanism of this complex which Eisenhower spoke of. An economy driven by the wills of a need for protections, near and far, can no longer continue to pretend to write off those human costs as tax deductions of combat. An auditing of the system who is supposed to value the gears of the machine more than the outcome of its function. Metaphors and similes aside, we must learn to demonstrate a greater appreciation for the fathers, sons, daughters, and mothers who offer themselves to help keep the system oiled and running. 
Without their sacrifice and service, our pillows might harden with concerns for our own safety. Never-ending night might spread from sea to shining sea, hiding threats in the shadows. And those who act as a shield from the terrors of the dark should no longer be used as pawns. For the game is played in an arena where all of us are the spectators. No longer will I merely offer my commentary between sips of beer. My resounding cries now rumble the ground on which the machine of change sits upon. The whims of partisanship should no longer dictate the frequency of harm's way. We must remain cognizant of the precious pieces strategically placed on the life-size board of risk. Components of the war apparatus are more than just pieces of a familial unit, but rather the glue which holds it all together. So let's strive to approach our differences with a greater sense of reservation, seeking preservation of the human pieces of the military-industrial complex, for they are the only parts of the whole damn machine that we actually love. And regardless if it sounds cliche, I'd like to personally thank every last one of you for your service. This brings me to my guest today. His name is Dawson Richard, and he is a husband, actor, podcast host, and a member of the Air Force. And during our chat, Dawson wastes no time laying to rest some of the misconceptions associated with members of the military. I found his insights to be interesting, and I thought he acted as an outstanding representative for the military community as a whole. He also embodies someone who is a jack of all trades by referencing his own interests in nerd culture, theater, film, music, and so many other things. Our conversation is legitimately what this podcast is all about, and I am so excited for all of you to hear it. Uh, hi, my name is uh, John Dawson Richard. I'm an Airman First Class in the United States Air Force. I currently work in security forces, and I'm about to hit my two-year mark in the military come June. Um, and so I'm here today to talk about some of the things that people get wrong about the military or some people uh, assume about the military. So uh, some common misconceptions that I've seen with the military would be that <laughs> I get this so much. So many people associate that branch with like, that's what everybody does. Like, for example, I'm military police, I'm security forces, so I'm on base police. But I remember going into the Air Force, people would always like ask me like, oh, are you a pilot or are you like, do you work on the planes? Like stuff like that. And it's always it's always like plane stuff. Uh, with the Air Force always it's it's just always about like and like with the Marines everyone assumes that you have to be like a ground pounder you got to be like a grunt in Marines you couldn't be like a corpsman or you know an engineer like you a mechanic in the Marines it's always whatever branch that is like those are your careers and also uh, just a lot of people always just assume the whole it's the standard military uh, everyone's meatheads and like everybody's like you know like wait like, they're not I'm, no, <laughs> right like i mean Damn look at it. me you know you see this like look at this uh, I, I, obviously i haven't hit the gym in a bit because i mean like you know it's just like 
you just get different communities and all kinds. Like, I mean, I can tell you for sure. Like just the other day I saw some people playing D and D on their break on shift. So like, wait, 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 there's nerds in the military. Oh, we know we're so screwed, dude. Right. Blows your mind. Right. A a nerd like that couldn't hold a gun. Right. (laughs) They're going to show up on the battlefield and throw a dice out. (laughs) Right. Like exactly. And the Taliban just just looks at it. They're like, I, I don't get it. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't understand. What do we do here? <laughs> it's just it's, shit. He's a mage. Run. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I, I, see people in the Marines wouldn't get that reference because we all know that Marines don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Of course not. They play World of Warcraft. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, and it's so yeah, just like I said, it's just this like big stigma that everybody's a meathead. But I mean, other than that, um, really it just comes down to like i don't even know how to put it like i said like there's different cultures for sure but honestly it's just people are people like not everybody's like you know people assume that you go through bmt or boot camp or whatever and that like you're like like cut cookie cutter like you are like a different person which like yeah like they try to dehumanize isn't the right word um but like they break you down it's like a a a method of like breaking you down and building you back up to instill those, that discipline and those core values uh, in you as a person. And while yes, that makes you more disciplined and that might make you more like everybody else. Cause they want everybody to follow orders. They want everybody to be for the most part, the same when it comes to discipline and following orders. But I feel like a lot of times people assume that that means that like, you know, we're all the same and like they take away your humanity. Um, I had a lot of people before, I went into the military and decided to go into the air force. A lot of people that I knew at school were like really mad at me and really pissed off because they were like, you know, Oh, they're going to dehumanize you. They're going to take away what makes you a person. And it's just, it's just like this whole thing about like people just assume that they like turn you all into like killing machines. And you know, I'm in the air force, obviously that's one of the more, we're more technical based when it comes to the branches. Like I didn't go through boot camp, but I know like even with the Marines, like I have friends that are Marines and like, they're the exact same way they were whenever I knew them back in high school. So it's just, it's just weird. Like, I think, I think that there's uh there's a disconnect between like being in the military and then like actually being stationed abroad and like a wartime uh, zone, uh, if yeah. you will. Uh, because now I have, uh, I talked about this uh, with my other buddy. He's a, he's a corpsman. You, you brought that up. He was in the Navy yeah. for 10 years. And, uh, you know, he talked about it. he definitely didn't come back the same person that right. he was when he left, nor should you. Like, if you do, something's probably wrong with you uh, because mm-hmm. he did see people die. He did make those hard time decisions uh, where, you know, IEDs had went off on the side of the uh, the side of the road and, you know, had taken limbs and, you know, caused injuries that he had to make judgment calls with multiple people that were injured. And uh, he did see people get killed in front of them. So, I mean, those kind of things, they, they do change you for sure uh, as they should. Exactly. And like you said, uh, he had brought up this point too. Like a lot of that basic training is more to instill not questioning because it's important uh, in certain situations to just do what you need to do rather than be like, well, well, why are we doing that? Well, by the time you asked why and they stuttered and answered 17 people are dead. Exactly. Exactly. And they teach you that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's crucial in that. And, and I hate that you took one of my questions away. Cause I was going to ask if you t- took your, uh, your PT test on a bike, like everybody says, Oh man, <laughs> I, I get, 
I get so many uh, chair force comments from like army guys on the base here because we have um, like we have army guys on our base and it's just <laughs> I get so many like oh did you do your PT test like on a treadmill like it's just it's funny and it's just it's all jokes like it's all jokes amongst like military members but like it's just funny to know that there are some like uh, civilians that like actually think that like the air force is like doing like their PT test and they mean it like seriously like they're like oh the chair force and like, <laughs> army guys can say it because we know they're joking but yeah you know it's but yeah i mean you are right about uh, the deployments we've had a few we have a few people in our squadron who just transferred here uh from a like a base that tactically deploys a lot and you can tell like they're different people and it's one of those things i've noticed where they talk about it a lot and i think to some people that helps like cope with what happened like we have a lot of people here that you know will be like oh well, when i was downrange, we did this or when i was deployed we did this and I try not to like, you know, harp on too much of that because I know some people are like, oh my gosh, all they talk about is being deployed. But like, I think like it's a way to help them cope with it because you're right. You're 100% right. It is a really stressful uh, thing to be in. And even like going through tech school because um, security forces is one of the more uh, combat trained. We get more combat training in our tech school than other career fields such as like maintainers or um, like medical or finance. They're their tech schools, I don't want to say they're like colleges, but they're a little bit more like education based. Whereas with security forces, our tech school was a lot more physical. You know, we did rucks, we did, uh, like we crawled through the mud, we did like simulated firefights and stuff like that. And so it was, so I definitely like, even coming out of that, I was a different person, you know, um, like going to the airport for the first time, I was like, (laughs) it just felt so alien to me because I was in that environment for so long. And that was like, four months. So I can imagine what it's like to be downrange for six months, maybe even a year. So I agree it, that it, it changes you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, but I think it, you touched on several key bits there. It's like, regardless of that, you're still people, you know, and you, you still, you know, you're not like this, this new robot of yeah, military like- <laughs> forum, like I bless kill everyone. <laughs> right. Uh, like, you know, and to some degree, you know, like you said, it's a desensitization of certain combat situations because that's important. I mean, right. if you freeze and, you know, it's not just your ass, it's a bunch of people's asses. So exactly. That's exactly. important. And so, yeah, it's, oh, you go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> uh, no, if you, if you had another thought, I was going to move to another question. Oh, absolutely. Shoot me a question. Um, so what is it? Why did you decide to go into the military? Was it something that was ingrained into you from the family? Was it, you know, a tradition of individuals doing that? Was it something you were like, I got to go serve and protect, bro. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it might sound cheesy, but some people really do that. Like in nine 11, exactly. uh, right after nine yeah. 11, a lot of people signed up for that. I got to go get these people, man. And that's, right, that's right. fine. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the news, but Adam driver, is getting shit because he said that's why he signed up. He's like, we had a, a military attack on our soil and I thought that I should go and, you know, help get retribution for our country. And people are like, what? You're like, well, not to get that's, too political, but I just like, dude, he no, just you're, you're did fine. what he thought was <laughs> exactly. right. So exactly. Uh, anything political you want to throw out there, you can, I'm pretty neutral on all of it, but I'll, get my uh inside wherever i can um so for me it's it was a weird mixture of things i was in high school it was my senior year i didn't really want to do college i didn't really like saved up any like money for that kind of stuff and i didn't really like the idea of being in debt and my dad was in the air force and i had some other family members that uh, were either in like the navy or like my dad specifically was a crew chief in the new in the uh, in the air force and that, that like was a big he like 
I moved in with him later into my senior year. So I talked with him a lot and he honestly, um, like instilled a lot of that in me. And he was like, Hey man, I think this is like the best route for you to go. You know, you don't really have any colleges looked at. You don't really have any of this stuff laid out. Like this could be your chance. And I think that it'll help you like, uh, like it'll give you some experience and some life experience that you can really work with. And I'm grateful for that because honestly, like I, like, I don't know where I'd be right now, especially with this outbreak. Like I, I have a house, I'm still getting paid. Uh, like it's, it's pretty nice. And like, you do get a lot of experience from that. And like, I won't say that it wasn't at all because I, I'm not like proud of my country and I didn't want to serve my country because there's definitely, um, a sense of pride. Like I can tell, like, <laughs> it's almost like brainwashing. Like you go through BMT and tech school and you're just like, I can remember, like you can look at any, um, security forces member going through tech school. And I guarantee on your Instagram, you're going to see pictures of them like posing in front of the mirror, like in like basic civilian clothes, but with like their vest on and they're like, doing like these pictures and they're like, they're quote something inspirational where it's like, Oh, to stop the wheels of injustice, we must stand like, and it's just, and like, it's like, man, you haven't even graduated. Like you're like two weeks in, like the hell are you talking about? But it's just, it's, and, but it's true though. Like while you're there, like they instill such this like hua mentality of like, you know, you're the defenders of the air force. And it's like, and I can remember, like I have those same pictures like on Instagram. Like I have that one where I'm in my blues and I'm just like, you know, collar popped beret on. Like I, and like, I felt, uh, like pride in that. Like there was a lot of pride uh, being in the Air Force and being um, a part of that. And so yeah. I, I do think pride is definitely a big part of it. And it's interesting you make the Adam Driver comment because um, it's just, it's wild to me because, you know, you hear about those people that are like anti-war, which like I'm not by any means saying that war is a good thing. I don't think that we should have war, but like it's a necessity. Like at this point in time, uh, like human history has been written by wars. Um, but like, it's just like these people that are like so anti, anti-military is more I want to say they're anti-troops and they think that we're all like killers and murderers. You know, like I'm Air Force, like I'm a cop. And I remember on my way back to Louisville um, in the airport, I was standing there and like there was this lady next to me and I'm still like in my ABUs. I just came out of tech school. I'm like a little shaken up. So I'm still like, I, I'm like, I'm about to go home. Like, and this lady like, asked me she's like you know she's like you're in the air force and i was like well yeah obviously the uniform gives it away which (laughs) my dumb ass i was told they told us to not wear the uniforms whenever we go to the airport but i heard it different i was like wear the uniform got it like (laughs) i'm gonna make myself a target like so i'm just like walking around in my abus and then uh this lady's like uh you know you're in the air force right i was like "Uh, yes ma'am you know trying to be respectful and then just immediately she was just like well i hope you know what you people are doing over in the middle east is barbaric and just it's just savage and you're just a terrible person and i was like stunned like i was just like oh there are actually people that think this okay uh and i just respectfully was just like ma'am i'm personally i've never been overseas i am military police i sorry that you feel that way and then of course there was like some marine there some ex-marine he's like you know veteran or whatever and he jumped in and he's like you know what the hell you're talking about he just started like tearing her a new one and like <laughs> yeah, it was wild i'm just standing here like trying to go home like <laughs> <laughs> you're like ma'am i just i just want to see my my lady friends <laughs> i'd like to see my wife please <laughs> but yeah great. so it's and so it's just weird to me that like especially like with adam driver like that's like a really to me i feel like that's more noble than most generic causes for like, you know, oh, I need money for college or like, oh, I'd like free housing. Like, I feel like joining because of 9-11 is so much more of a noble reason to join. Um, like to the way they put it in BMT to voluntarily stand up and put yourself in harm's way, because that's what it is. It doesn't matter what you do. And you're in the, when you're in the military, like you're constantly 
in harm's way. Uh, it's like, because if anything happens, like you're the first line of defense, you're the first one sent out. And so to stand up and to put your hand up and be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, it's a big deal. It's like a big thing to do. And like, that's not, shouldn't be taken lightly. And it shouldn't be, uh, you know, people shouldn't be giving people shit for doing that because that's a big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, you know, it is one of those things that, you know, it might be a tired, uh, tired cliche to be like, you know, support, whatever. at least support the troops, you know, if, if anything, if you don't support the mechanism that, you know, chooses to have them do whatever, because like we said, you're trained to just do what you're told. So, right. right. Like followers. <laughs> right. And a lot of people choose, you just gave a, a laundry list of reasons as to why people might sign up. So a lot of those individuals are just doing what they needed to do to survive. Yeah. Um, and as an educator, um, curriculums are not decided by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pushed down to me the things that I need to teach in my class. Right. So if you were to, to you. Yeah. If you were to come to me and be like, why are you teaching my kid this? Well, <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I have the, the ability and the, and the choice and some of the freedom and free will to teach it how I want. Um, but there are certain things there's like little check marks that I have to hit throughout the semester. Right, right. Like, so it's like, that ain't my fault, dude. You like, you need to hit up the state level, go, go vote for a different legislator. And like, yeah, um, like that's so yeah. it is what it is. And, and you know, and I, I don't think it comes from a place of, of hatred or, yeah. uh, uh, things like that. I just think it comes from a place of ignorance. They're not making the connections there. And, it, and right. ignorance doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means exactly. you didn't know about that one thing. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, that's yeah. You, you gotta, you just gotta do what you can. You just gotta be res- as respectful as you can to people like that. And just kind of like let it roll off your shoulder. Like so long as I'm not getting like a weapon pulled on me, like it's no, it's no big deal. Lines that putting me in arms way. Uh, right. Yeah. It, but that to feel as though that, that woman should have uh, maybe taken it aside, say, Hey man, I shouldn't say this. Just yeah. a thought. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, don't, maybe don't come at the kid who just came out of tech school. Like it doesn't yeah. even know where he is. Like I was trying to order like a fucking latte or something. I was still like, <laughs> it's like, can I get no whip on that? Excuse me, man. While you're berating me. Um, <laughs> One <I> moment. Said, <laughs> no whip. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then you oh, end up outlash. You outlash at the uh, the. I said no whip. Oh, I'm sorry. It had nothing to do with you. The lady just, yelled just at me. The lady making the call. I'm sorry. That wasn't at you. It's just she's talking to me, and I'm just trying to get my whip. <laughs> it's just it's wild. Set an extra shot. There's clearly not an extra shot in this. How dare you? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, it's so. Just- um, well, you've already kind of nailed on some of the questions that I really wanted to get into this because with military, there's definitely some things that, you know, I want to hit on because, you know, you do have an experience that so few people get to know. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. is the, what is the percentage of people in the military? What is it like 5%? Uh, something like that with air force specifically, I think it's like 1%. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a small percentage, uh, the United States. Oh shit. You just said a trigger word. You said 1% Bernie Sanders is <gasps> going to be here any minute. Uh-uh. The up of 1%. Oh, 99. <laughs> he's just going to dip in. I'm like, where the fuck were you? Where'd you in come in? You just, <laughs> Listen here. I have a, I have a, <laughs> I have something to say. <laughs> and I um, love Bernie. Don't get it twisted guys. Don't hate. Hey, uh, love that guy. Don't hate on Bernie. <laughs> yeah. Don't hate on Bernie. <laughs> I get, the I get Bernie bros will get you, man. Hey, 
don't I know my wife's a Bernie fan. I, I get that. She's <laughs> going to be in the bushes it. when this interview's over. I heard you talking shit about Bernie in there. Yeah, she's gonna, she's going to do it while we're while we're recording here. She's just going to bust down the door and start taking the belts at me or something. <laughs> Ninja style. I hear. You're like, whoa, <laughs> easy. Oh man, nice. but yeah, it's. Yeah, it's definitely a, a small percentage. And I mean, like, I feel like, and w- like one thing, so this is something that like I thought about, I don't, don't mean to like derail or anything, but like, it's just like something I thought about. I saw a video uh, a while back that was like this lady and she was doing a TikTok or whatever, because you know how people TikTok, pol- like political talks are literally should be taken so seriously. In a minute, so much, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, much, so much of an impact. Yeah, insight in a minute. <laughs> I know, right wild. Well, she's talking about how um, military recruiters often target uh like uh inner city and like lower income areas in cities and stuff like that and she's talking she like went off on this whole tangent where she's talking about how like oh the u.s military is targeting these people in low-income societies because they feel trapped and they feel like they only have one way out and that way is the military and then they're sending them off to die and i'm like okay small rant here uh just because like <laughs> I, it just irks me because like i like i know people who came from the inner city and like they joined the military and like their like state of living is just it skyrockets mm-hmm. like they're because it's just it's and like that's why they do that that's why so many military recruiters target those areas is because they want to get people out of that lifestyle they want to give people an option to like have a better life and to have you know all this stuff like you know like free housing like a, a stable career that still pays even during global pandemic you know epidemics like and so it just it irks me when people like think that like the military targets people like that because it's not like they're there for a reason like the one i like my recruiter was like 60 minutes away because it's like because i live in some podunk small town like they're targeting the cities for a reason so it's just like i just thought about i don't know what brought that up but i just thought about it and just something that i want to put out there for anybody that thinks that the military is targeting uh the slums to try and (laughs) kill them in war i don't know um (laughs) I think that that's that's one of the problems that comes with soundbite culture. Um, these are complex issues, um, and people want to address them. And these yeah. little segments, uh, I had this interaction with one of my uh, with one of my coworkers. I do love him. Uh, I even told him as we had this interaction, I was like, "I miss you, man. I miss arguing with you once a week about dumb shit." And uh, but he had sent me some video of a doctor um, addressing the COVID nineteen crisis. And he had a dissenting opinion versus the ma- the mainstream and versus the what seems like the majority of the of the professionals in the medical field who have had set forth the recommendations that we should right. social distance, we should stay home until this thing uh, can kind of dwindle out a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and have all made these recommendations with people like Dr. Fauci and Michael Osterholm, who I'd mentioned before yeah. uh, before yeah. we started, uh, who was on yeah. Rogan, and. Um, so I sent him, he sent me this six minute soundbite of this guy talking about these things. So I sent him the two hour long conversation that Michael Osterholm had had with Joe Rogan. And then mm-hmm. I sent him the hour long conversation that Dr. Fauci had had with Trevor Noah on the daily show. And regardless yeah. if that's a comedy show, Trevor Noah just let him talk. Yeah. You know, so he, knows, he, was, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He was the facilitator. So he just let Dr. Fauci go over in great depth, not a six mm-hmm. minute conversation. So I sent him and he's these things and he goes, I'm not going to watch all that. And then I would go, I, I just said to him, I was like, well, guess what? You get to shut the fuck up. I don't, I don't know how to say that nicely. <laughs> but like, if you're not going to do, and it's not me being hateful. 
If, if yeah. you want to, if you want to take six minutes of information and pretend to be the armchair expert, and then I give you the tools to go outside and get a little bit more in-depth knowledge, I can also send them the fifteen articles that I've saved in a in a folder called coronavirus for things right. that I thought like, were interesting because it's just how my brain works. And I well, I read them. You know, they're fifteen pages long, and I'm like, okay, I yeah. read this. Okay, because <laughs> as well, yeah, it takes a lot. What what the fuck else am I doing? Um. So it's just, that's that same thing. This lady's like, I'm going to address this huge issue in a minute. And boom, got a mic drop. What? Uh, Yeah. So you're like, well, okay. If if you're looking at some of those inner city people, and this isn't about race, this is more about class. Exactly. It's just, and yeah, it's not about race whatsoever. You know, I know people from all walks of life. Like there was a Korean guy on my flight and he came from the inner city like, it's not, it's not about race. Race isn't, mm-hmm. you know, an issue. It's, it's literally, like you said, just class. It's literally just comes down to class. And you see these individuals who are in situations so oftentimes in the inner city where they are in impoverished areas and they have fractured uh, home lives. You know, yeah, they might only yeah. have one parent in the home and that creates a really difficult dynamic to deal with. Um, yeah, you know, sure. and I see it time and time again as an educator, especially at the high school level. You know, if you just have dad at home, they're missing some of the elements uh, that might give them empathy and things of that right, nature. Things right, that, from, yeah, right. from like mother's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. again, I, I always try to make sure that I'm not triggering anybody not to be and, and I'm not not kidding about that. But you, yeah, I think yeah. you can make that that assertion that most of that those nurturing uh, pieces come from the mother. It's just natural. It's it's. You know, they are the one that that put the kid in the bosom and things of that nature. That's how they were designed. By, exactly. You know. It's just it's just comes down to human nature. Like it's human biology. Like some things you just can't argue and you can't be like right. upset about and can't be like triggered by. Like it's just it's just human nature. It's Is just, it 100 percent? Absolutely no. not. No. Is it the but, majority, though? Yeah. 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 I think yeah, so. Absolutely. I think so. Um, yeah, me too. I'm with you. <laughs> so those things can create unique problems. And as you said, uh, I was at Fern Creek who had a wonderful uh, JROTC program. Uh, mm. And I saw like how wonderfully respectful those kids were uh, that I had in the classes that I dealt with. I think there was five or six of them. Uh, mm. And they were some of the best kids. It really gave them the structure. They turned things in on time. Uh, they okay. made sure to raise their hands. Uh, they called me, sir. <laughs> you know, they addressed me with a lot of respect, you know, where other kids are like, man, I even know you. You're a student teacher. I don't care about you. And you're like, yeah, it's <sighs> all right, man. Okay. Well, that's fine. Like, yeah, and there's just being nice to you. Yeah. And there's just so many people out there that have that problem. Like they have that problem with authority. Yeah. I I saw so many people drop out of BMT because of that, because they couldn't stand having somebody yell in their face and tell them what to do. Cause they were like, Oh, I'm my own person. I'm a, and that's really what it comes down to. It's not even really, you know, discipline is a big part of it, but it's not even the, you know, breaking them down part. It's literally just learning to stop being an individual. Like you're a part of a team. It's no longer just you. It's no longer about just you. And that's, always in the air force you know i have sergeants today who yell at people and are like you need to stop being an individual you know granted those sergeants used to be mtis and like i saw them strutting around at lackland air force base (laughs) (laughs) but like it's just it's you're right like it's jrotc i remember when i came home i did uh the recruiter's assistance program which allowed me to stay home and also work with my recruiter uh, to give me some extra days home, but also to like help people uh, that are looking into the Air Force. And they took us to the JROTC at a another school and they had us talk to them and tell them about our experience. 
it was just so funny because like my cousin was also in the air force and he was also in the same uh rap program with me and he's a firefighter and i just remember he's like talking about it and like all these jrtc kids are just like stiff in their seats and you know he's talking about like tripping people with hoses i'm talking about like getting pepper sprayed and stuff like that like <laughs> and like they're all just like like not moving at all i'm like oh there's the discipline i was like I see <laughs> be, like if i went to a normal class i was like so i got pepper sprayed like they'd be like whoa no nah, no nah, that ain't for me man i'm out i think i'm out yeah, nah. yeah exactly, mm-hmm. You're exactly. Like, <laughs> relax it's only part of the bit man i mean you yeah. gotta go through uh, you could have been tased too <laughs> that is true seen those seen those videos <laughs> Mine's pretty bad. Mine's pretty bad. That was a that's an interesting story from my military career. Uh, they were, Share it. Here we go. Okay, uh, <laughs> I've got a few of those. Um, so I just remember, like, we were in, uh, we were doing uh, some taser training or whatever, and like all these guys are going through, like all these guys, might like, you know, I know I just said that, you know, not all military people are macho, but there's a lot of them. That some are. are. Mm-hmm. So they just come up <laughs> through, like, I'm gonna get tased. I'm gonna ride the lightning so like all this stuff and then <laughs> i'm sitting back i'm like i'm not fucking doing this this is stupid like i'm not even getting a certification for this why i don't want to do this and so they <laughs> i just remember like all these guys getting tased and stuff and they're just <clears throat> you know that's 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 it right and i'm just like i mean if they're if they can if they can keep it shut you know why can't i so they finally convinced me to get up there and i get these these notes hooked up to me and i just hear taser 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 and it hits and i full open mouth just <clears throat> As I'm like hitting the ground, it was, it was rough. It was bad. They have that. They still have that on video. My neck veins are all popping and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> did you, uh, did you fully lose consciousness or how does that work? Uh, so it's wild. Being tased is wild. So basically what, uh, what happens when you get tased? Um, it's like first you're you're never gonna know when it hits it's always gonna scare you uh, but whenever you get tased like whenever that first volt hits because uh, that's a lot of volts running through your body it's like everything locks up it's like you feel every muscle every tendon everything just tighten like a steel cord and like i felt it like you can see the lines behind your eyelids like your eyelids are fluttering you can see like it's just like strobes in your eyes from where like the lightning is just coursing through your head and it's just everything locks up. I have to have two people on each side of you to hold up your arms because your whole body just goes stiff. And if they weren't holding you, you'd just face plant just like that. And so they like lowered me down. And like, even after they let go, I just sat there on the ground, like, (laughs) (laughs) and also the rumor that you, you know, pee yourself whenever you get tased, not a thing. doesn't happen. Oh, Uh, Super rare. Everyone like thinks that. Like that was like the one thing that I heard all day in that class. It was like, am I gonna, am I gonna piss myself if I get taste? Like, doesn't. Have, at least I didn't. I don't know. Maybe it dried up before I got up. Who knows? But you were preparing. You had on your depends anyway. I was ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. I got, yeah. uh, an extra pair just in case uh, <laughs> there were after effects. You know, I go home and I'm like, oh, I pissed myself again. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you talk about that because uh, I do jujitsu and. Um, <laughs> And I also did kickboxing and I did a little bit of boxing. Um, I did more jujitsu oh. than anything. Um, but like being choked unconscious at some point, um, you're going to have a, a situation where your arm gets wrapped up or mm-hmm. um, something can happen to where you can't tap and you yeah. can't verbally tap either because they're choking you. Like, oh. uh, yeah, so like, oh, <laughs> and uh, so I got choked out, you know, and luckily, you know, our, at the gym I was at, Derby City uh, Mixed Martial Arts here in Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, most of the guys are great, man. And and 
we were a family and you never wanted to hurt each other. And That's so true. my, my partner knew he felt me go limp and he goes, okay, he's like, you all right. So he puts me there and lets me sit there for a second, lifts my legs up so that the blood can run back. And, uh, it's so weird, man. It's, it's like an animated cartoon. So I just wondered if it was similar yeah. because literally the light dwindles. Yeah. You like, a, like a Looney tunes. The light just goes into one little small ball <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, dude, that sleep, I was just out for a couple seconds, felt like I was refreshed. That's well, sleep. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, man, what's up? Everything okay? We're good. <laughs> but then the, the um, I didn't get knocked out, knocked out, but I got mm. what they call a flash KO. And Ooh. now I totally understand why they call it that uh, because I had no idea before. I had no reference point. So for those of you that aren't familiar, if you get hit there, um, at the jawline, at the top of the jawline, right there behind your ear, uh, there's a pressure point there. And mm. if someone catches you right there at the bottom of your ear, at the end of your jawline, you see nothing but white. <laughs> so my buddy, uh, or actually my cousin, uh, we were sparring and, you know, we were going, what was supposed to be 50% Kevin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Kevin. he caught me and, um, I immediately put my hands in the air. I'm like, I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> it was just white. And I was like, oh, that is weird. So I like stumbled backwards and I got my hands in the air. I'm like, don't hit me. Don't hit me. I can't see. And I was like, it's just so interesting. So I wondered if any of that was things that happened when you got tased. Yeah, it's I mean, you do see white. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we we experience some of that too. We do some combatives and uh, security forces. We do some entry level combatives. So I definitely understand the being choked out almost almost out uh i've definitely been need around that area a few times and i've definitely hit that flash ko before yeah it's uh, an experience <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild yeah I, I still enjoy it don't we're not trying to turn you off don't 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 yeah don't think that you can't do martial arts yeah jujitsu is amazing uh it was it only happened to me once uh so i mean yeah and it wasn't bad they let me go uh unless your training partner is a sociopath you'll be fine yeah exactly i do not <laughs> however recommend tasing if the cop says stop please stop <laughs> yeah no doubt yes sir no sir get off the ground <laughs> yeah just do what you're supposed to oh, um so i know that you said that you come from a family of the military uh within the military rather and uh you know your father uh, was in the military so you probably mm -hmm. have some experience throughout the duration of your life and yeah. i'm sure that he shared stories with you and you heard stories from your other members of your family so with your maybe uh, being on the fringes to now being in the military what are some things uh, that you've noticed that have maybe changed over the years and how have maybe your perceptions of the military changed now that you have an intimate uh, experience um so that's a good uh good question um so so i grew up uh like my dad was at stationed at seymour johnson air force base so i spent a few years of my life there so i can vaguely really vaguely pick out uh what it was like to live on base and to live in those like suburb areas and i remember like my first time moving in to this one my first time actually having a house on base with uh, me and my wife it was a big big deal and it was like a flash man and we were like pulling up and i just remember seeing all these houses and it was like i got like an immediate you know flashback to being a kid in the backseat of the car and i was like wow this is wild like this is a big deal because like i at like age three i was like here and now i'm like 21 and i'm here so it's just like it's, it's wild and i definitely think i'd say on the whole changes that i've noticed uh with the air force um 
it's just like, it's so weird. Like my dad always was real like vague about everything. And he was real, like, he didn't really tell me a lot about it. I mean, obviously he was like, yeah, I had a good time. It was great. Um, but like, that's really all he said. Like he never really went in depth into it. So I had to kind of like form my own mental image opinion on what the you know military was going to be like, like going to BMT, literally the bus ride, you know, to base, like to Lackland Air Force Base. We're pulling up and I'm like, dude, they're going to like dunk my head underwater and like, you know, shoot at me. Like I, I didn't know. Cause like my dad didn't talk about it. So like I had to just formulate like this, terrifying nightmare image of what the military was going to be like in my head. You know, obviously we get there and like, you know, these MTIs with their campaign hats are moving around the bus and are get off the damn bus. Like, just, you know, <laughs> move trainees. Like I, man, but like, honestly, like it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. And I'm not by any means saying that it's like easy or it's simple because that would be like discrediting it. That would be, it's just so many people, so many people are just like, oh, BMT was easy. Oh, this was easy. And I'm like, I mean, it's not though. Like there are people that dropped out. There are people that couldn't go through it. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong if any of your listeners are. It's just not full metal jacket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're not like, you know, they're not like, get off that rope private pile. Like, like, (laughs) Like there's none of that. Like, I mean, there were obstacle courses and there were, you know, it's physically like it's physically draining. And I know one of the big things for me while I was in, um, I had a hard time doing sit-ups and I don't know why. I don't know why that was. I could do sit-ups perfectly fine, but it's part of, um, for me, like something that like is really big and is really like dangerous whenever you get into BMT is mental blockage. And it's, you just tell yourself that you like, it's, it's so weird. Your brain tells you that you can't do something like before I went to BMT, I could do plenty of sit-ups and then I got there and I couldn't do literally our first PT test, our first practice PT test, I could do five setups. Wild. I know. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not, hmm. if you can see, I'm not, a, <laughs> I don't have any like tummy blocking me or anything like that. He's huge. But, don't let him lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm putting on a few pounds, obviously. Uh, we've been, it's the corona. been doing a lot. Yeah. Hey, staying inside eating junk food. My scraggly beard speaks. I know, growing it out. I wish I, could, <laughs> I wish I could. Maybe I can see if the military will let us grow out beards in this trying time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's just like, so like I, five setups and I was like, so astonished by that, but like, it's just, it's because of that mental blockage. And that's what a lot of people, that's what gets a lot of people is they get in there and it's like the stress and like it manifests itself in all kinds of ways. Like some dudes like couldn't sleep at night, like the, the nerves, like, because it's, it's such a culture shock. It's such a different environment. Um, and honestly, honestly, for being completely honest, I kind of miss it. I kind of miss not obviously not getting like yelled at and stuff, but like with BMT, and this is something that like, I feel like a lot of people in the military experience with BMT, your whole day is like planned out for you. And like, I had like the best food I ever had, the best eating I ever did BMT best. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. That's bro. What'd you grow up, man? Yeah. I, I'm going to avoid that small town wherever that is. It sounds I mean, awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so many people just, just, that's another thing. People assume that military food is awful. When let me tell you the defects, they hook you up. Or maybe it's just because like you're in BMT. So like all this stressful stuff, like you're just like food is food, man. Cause like that's, that's why they feed you so good. You're doing so much like marching out in the heat is wild. That's it's probably perception. You hadn't had a meal and you, you know, yeah. you hiked with, you know, a 105 pound pack, 15 miles. And you come back, you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. My God, scrambled eggs. Like (laughs) not even actual eggs. They're like (laughs) powdered eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like, 
but it's like that mental blockage though. It's like people, like some people can't eat some people. I couldn't do setups. I mean, I maxed them out whenever I did my final PT test, but it's just so weird to think that like I went in and I was like, I can't, I can do five setups. And like, I had to like my MTI had to like talk to me and he was like, what the hell man? He's like, why the fuck can't you do more than five setups? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was, I was, I'm like, sir, I'm just as confused as you. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. My body hates me right now. Yeah. So, but it's just like, yeah. So by no means, I know I got off on a bit of a tangent there, but by no means for people that didn't make it through BMT, I'm not trying to like say that you're weak or anything, but it's just, it's, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it's definitely, it's, it's, it takes a lot of willpower. That's my thing. Um, because I know people that aren't physically strong because people assume that you have to be super physically strong to get through military. I was actually something with me. I was told by family members and friends that I wouldn't make it through the military. When I first brought it up, people were telling me that I was too, um, I was too soft, like not like to say that I'm weak, but to say that I'm too empathetic or like I'm too, I feel too much to be able to go through the military. I didn't have a problem. I actually did really well in BMT. I think I I didn't drop out. So, uh, but it's just, I don't know. People like, it's just the mental blockage. Like you don't have to be, super physically strong or super physically athletic to get through BMT because that's what it's there for. BMT is there to turn you into an airman. It's not, you don't go in an airman. So, I mean, obviously you have to meet certain weight requirements, but if you're not super athletic, that's the whole point of BMT is to get you into shape and to get you into that like warrior, you know, shape. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right, so we've covered how like you think it may maybe even change, your perceptions have changed. So I know that the military can be a huge aspect of your life, mm-hmm. uh, much like, it, uh, you know, I, I constantly talk about being an educator, but it's, it is my life. It, it is sometimes hard for me to separate myself from that. So do you find it hard for yourself to separate uh, your personal life, the things that you're into as far as hobbies and your military life? It's uh, a good question. Um, so... With this one, um, it's kind of like a specific, so this may not apply to every military member as everything that I've said may not apply to every military member. Uh, so obviously any viewers take that with a grain of salt, but, uh, with me specifically, um, as security forces, we work long hours. We do work long hours and I specifically, um, work a very weird shift. I won't go super into it. Uh, but I just, I work a weird shift and because of that, um, it's, you know, it can be hard uh, coming home and on like my breaks trying to like, because we spend so much time. I spend so much time in like the squadron and with the people that I work with that on certain weeks, like I see them more than I see my wife or that I spend home. So that's a big deal. And that's a, it's hard for me to come home and, uh, you know, be completely in my own mind, especially with, uh, you know, you have other things to take into account, uh, like training days and stuff like that. So like sometimes you have an off day, but you have to take a few hours out of that off day to go back into work, not like to, to do work, but to do like training and stuff on your job, like in uniform. So it's, it can sometimes be hard to like separate that whenever like you have to constantly like go back in uniform again. Like, you know, so it's, it can be hard sometimes, but I think I've done a pretty good job of doing that for me. It's just, you really got to find like a hobby or like two or three hobbies that you can really commit to. Like, for example, like the podcast, like I, do a podcast. And that really helps me on my off days, like pull me out of, um, like that, that mentality of like, I'm at work, I have to do this. I have to do all these things. And I can just like, not talk about and like, not be, you know, and also just when I come home, like I just, 
I remember it's it's so hard separating that stuff because when I first called my wife after BMT, I was like talking to her and I was like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, did you just call me ma'am? I was like, I just must <laughs> look. <laughs> Weird. Uh, I'm sorry, but, buttercup. I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, snuggle buns. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's just, so it's just honestly with me, my advice is just finding a hobby. Find something that you really can commit to. Like, I'm not talking about like, cause like I play video games and shit like that, but like, that's not like, my like like it's a hobby it i enjoy it but like it's not something that can completely pull me out of it doing a podcast or also just like spending time with my wife or my dog like it's that those are the things that really help me uh, get out of that work mentality which not to say that like whenever it's time for work i can't snap right back into it because that's a whole part of the military but um yeah it's honestly just finding that one thing that one hobby that really uh, resonates with you and with me it's doing podcasts as I'm sure, you know, you understand the kind of like freedom and just expression. That's a good word for it. Expression that there is in doing a podcast and doing stuff like that. So. Yeah. And it, and it also gives you a platform. Uh, I've talked about this a couple of times is a, a, a platform to be vulnerable. You yeah. Can talk, yeah you can talk to people and open up. It's, it's been shocking to me how many people have been, been willing to do that in this platform because yeah. it's, it is uh, it's better than like, radio talk shows before this, you know, because it is so open and it's not this set thing where I got to be like, so how are you today? We're going to sit down here with John Dawson Richards today. And he's going to tell me uh, what he feels about the military and go, you know, and it's that, yeah, that kooky shit is gone, man. And yeah, you can just, and I feel like you hit on another really great point is that hobby. You know, I think that that goes to so many people. I think that we're seeing an increasing number of people that are depressed, an increasing number of suicides, uh, an increasing number of people who feel alone. Um, and I think it's 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 indicative of the fact that people need things to do that they enjoy, and yeah. a lot of people don't enjoy their work. Um, I'm lucky that I, I really do, but even still. Uh, this is something that I went to school for and, you know, something I get to teach the arts, you know, as an actor, that's how I know your wife. I get to teach those yeah. things and I really enjoy that, but I still need to step away from my career and my job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how much you love your job. Like I, you know, I enjoy the military and I, you know, that's a big part of my life. And it's a big, like a lot of people that I've met, a lot of really close friends in my life um, have helped me through. Uh, some of the hard times in the military by being friends that I've made in the military because uh, one of the big things with it is like when you go through military stuff and you have military problems, it's really hard. And I had like a big disconnect uh, with people because I would go through stuff and I'd be really upset and I would try to explain it to people, but they would never really understand. They, they would never really get it. And that's no fault of their own. That's not, you know, they didn't go through that. So they wouldn't know. And like, that's in no means a bad thing, but it was just hard. Cause like when you have military problems, the only people that are going to get it are military individuals. And so a lot of really good friends that I made that helped me through some really rough stuff came from the military. And so I, I understand, like I do enjoy the military, but I, I agree with what you said. Like even no matter how much I enjoy the military, like I still have to step away from it every once in a while and, you know, find something else. And definitely with the, uh, the suicide and depression comment, um, it doesn't matter how much of an introvert you are, how much you dislike people. Like we as humans are social creatures. Uh, we have to have like some kind of interaction 
And that's why I feel like a lot of times like people who make like YouTube channels or like podcasts or stuff like that, where they can like broadcast themselves and they can find people of like like-minded uh, stuff. Like, you know, my, my podcast, I talk about like creepy stuff and like, there's so many people that flock to that because they're interested in that. And I can have conversations with people that are interested in that. So that gives me a way to connect to other people. So definitely cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head. There's so many different uh, niches. Again, it comes back to that, that idea and the notion, uh, the driving force behind so, the, so many of these conversations is so that people can see that there are other people out there doing things that are similar and or different. And they come to a lot of these same baseline ideas and baseline yeah. feelings and baseline fears and baseline loves. And right. You right. Know, so you you can find there's seven billion people. You can find somebody who's going to be able to meet you where you are. Yeah, there's somebody um, out there similar. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've taken a dip down some certain adult websites, <laughs> woo, there's yeah, somebody the, out there that's into midgets too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you, sir? No, Hit it with the hard M. <laughs> sorry, little people. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's how dare you take away such a funny word. I know it's, it's a big problem of mine. That's something that like me and my wife disconnect on all the time. It's just like when you, the particular career fields, especially with being security forces, you're desensitized to a lot of things whenever you go through um, tech school and stuff like that. So like you joke around about a lot of things that maybe aren't so <laughs> with yeah. each other, obviously not in a military setting. We never bring that to the military setting, but like just amongst ourselves, we just always joke about stuff that might upset other people. And I always come home and like, I'll try to make jokes like that. And my wife's like, like what, I had some eyebrow right. What was that? <laughs> Nothing. Sorry. I forgot. I'm not at work. My bad. Yeah. 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 I uh, kind of keep, there's probably about four or five text message uh, groups that I'm in that mm-hmm. I keep pretty well keep to myself between me and my friends. Yeah. Because <laughs> if they ever saw the light of day, I don't know that it'd ever work again. Uh, <laughs> Exposed. Yeah. Expo- I mean, Andrew exposed. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, yes, I allegedly, I'm playing a character who, uh, you know, gets what you're talking about, but not really. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, man. Wild. Well, if there were one thing that you could leave people with, you know, in, and I understand, I've, I've said this time and time again, I understand you're not mayor of the military, yeah. uh, nor are you a overall representative of right, right. Said, said bit or the Air Force or anything of that nature. Mm. But with your experience, if there was one thing that you could give to people uh, in general about your experience that you'd like to leave them with. So, um, me personally, so for people, I guess, geez a loaded question mm. you bamboozled me here um <laughs> but he if said, I, throw him at it, he's like uh, i'm really good with the uh, uh you know improv. improv i'm an actor and i was like okay challenge right. accepted no right. <laughs> challenge me here we go so uh so me personally what i would say um a few things uh for the military so just always remember that like with military because i know some military members it will be like it's weird to say like thank you for your service we do appreciate the support we really do it's Uh, something that has helped me a bunch of times and it's helped a lot of people get through some of the rougher times and it helps instill that sense of pride when sometimes I know uh, people can be, you know, disheartened or like questioned why they joined. And it's that kind of pride and that instilling that pride in military members that can sometimes uh, remind them of why they signed up. And that's a a big thing. So definitely 
Um, don't go overboard with it. Now don't go crazy with it, but definitely keep, you know, the support going, uh, anything you can do to support troops, they appreciate it. Believe me. Um, and also just like with the military, never like if you're out there and you're a viewer and you think that the military is only for certain types of people, I beg you to reconsider and to reevaluate your situation. Because if there's something that you want, um, first of all, if there's anything that you want, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. I know that's really cheesy and really corny, but like, it's true. Like it's, everything comes down to a mental block. If you can push past that mental blockade telling you that you can't do it, you're going to be able to do it no matter how big you are, or how small you are. So, um, I think with me personally, it's, uh, just don't let other people's opinions of things such as like, Oh, you're too weak or you're too, you know, skinny or you're too sensitive to go through the military. Don't let that stop you because you can get a lot out of the military and you can give a lot to the military by signing up. So, um, not definitely not a recruiter. Uh, (laughs) I don't get any extra pay for this kind of stuff. It's just me giving my opinion to you. So, um, just know that like you can join the military and you can make a difference in the military and you can definitely like never let somebody tell you what you can't do and that you're not going to be a good fit for the military. Like sometimes I think I could have been a Marine. Probably not. You just heard the the groanings of a million Marines right now. I know all of your Marine viewers right now are like looking at my screen. They're like, absolutely not. (laughs) Get all of this guy over here. He's serious. (laughs) Get a lot of this fucking guy. You know, like, no, but I mean, like, but like, honestly, like, just never let anybody tell you that you couldn't join a certain branch or you can't do a certain thing because there are so many different kinds of people, types of people in the Air Force and like that is honestly what makes it so great is because I have like never been outside of like Harrison County, Indiana. I'm from super small town. I like would go on vacation, but I've never had like actual conversations with people from other areas. And by joining the air force, I met a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. And I feel like that's not only given me a better understanding of how people work, but also has helped me to become more like open-minded. I think of like, how other people think. And that's always a good thing to have. You can never be too open-minded about stuff. Don't. Yeah. I think that that's uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, I do think that that's indicative of, you know, city life and individuals who go away to college. Uh, I know my wife, you know, she's not even from a small town, but she came from a pretty conservative Christian upbringing and she went to college and met her first knowing gay person uh, you know she probably met gay people she just didn't know no you know, exactly so she, so she had that encounter and it really like opened her eyes and changed changed her opinions on a lot of things because they became really good friends and you know she started to see and you know it a lot of time you get this what you know people might say the liberalization of people well, i don't yeah. think it's that don't give it that label because i think that's unfair because i think it, it goes well beyond that it's basic humanity yeah Uh, yeah absolutely it's it's that exposure you know so you have this um um insular lifestyle i guess when you're in a small city or a small town like harrison indiana and you don't get exposure so you don't see these other viewpoints and you don't see those other viewpoints as valid because you have no reference point exactly exactly so that's a wonderful point um exactly beautiful oh sorry go ahead yeah, you're good. You're fine. <laughs> I just was going to say it's a beautiful sentiment, man. I, I think that's great. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just feel like people oftentimes like doubt themselves or like they think that 
the military is like, like I said, at the very beginning, like people like have all these misconceptions about the military, which like, once you start learning about it and once you join and like, once you go through BMT, like you learn a lot of that. And obviously uh, like BMT is different from operational air force, but like a lot of those same values still apply and the experiences and the stuff that I've learned while being in the military, like I would never let that stuff go. Like it's definitely bettered me and it's made me a better person and it made me a more confident person. Honestly, like I feel pretty confident and like just you meet all kinds of awesome people. That's like one of the biggest things with me, even though I haven't traveled a whole lot because I'm only like two years in, I haven't seen a whole lot of places, but I've seen so many different people and I've made so many like cool, like friends and shit from like just being in the military. And so, and like people that like, I would like, you know, that I would still keep contact with even after like I left the military. I would still stay in contact with those people because of how close they are to me now. Yeah. And, and usually in those situations, um, when you have that, that unifying bond that you talked about before, that a lot of people outside of that don't understand, those people will be your ride or die. You yeah. Know, you, you could, you could probably pick up the phone and call one of those dudes like two years from now and you hadn't talked to him since and be like, listen, man, I, I, uh, I really need you. I just need a, an ear. And they're like, what's up, man? I almost bet you money. Uh, cause I know that my friends from the military are very much that way. Um, and it, it's beautiful. You know, you, you get that sense of, of grand camaraderie. Yeah. Camaraderie uh, that, is a good word for it. You just yeah. you build so much of it. And I think it's a great thing. And, you know, I hope people that take, I hope people that maybe do have some of those uh, preconceived notions that you discussed at the, at the outset of this, that they come and, and take that in and, Maybe it changes their view. Maybe their lens a little bit. If if not, that's okay too. Um, I can't. I can bring a horse to water. Can't make him drink. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's a great way to end this, man. Um, on yeah. the on the outgo of this, uh, do you have anything you like to promote? I please tell people about your podcast and so on and so forth. Uh, all right, cool. I get that over with real quick. Don't want to make this an advertisement, but uh, yeah. So if you guys are into uh, cults, murders, creepy stuff, such as like UFOs and cryptids, such as Bigfoot and stuff like that, anything really just creepy, paranormal stuff like that, be sure to check out the Void Frequency on Castbox and YouTube. I'm gonna try to move it towards Apple Music and Spotify here in the future, but absolutely uh, check that out whenever you want. Beautiful. I love it, man. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to point out to people I'd never talked to uh, Dawson before this podcast. His wife uh, and I were in a play and that's the beauty of this. It's kind of working organically and uh, in a way I hadn't expected. So I appreciate yeah. you taking out uh, time out of your day, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me on this. It's been fun. You've been a great host. I hope to see you again soon.